Hey everyone, so good to have all of you joining us today, and here's why. For the next two weeks, we want to talk about a part of life that we believe is so important, but it's rarely discussed in candid ways in adult circles. And in fact, with these past few months of social distancing, we think it's more important to talk about than ever, and it's this issue of your friendship. Specifically, how do we develop the kind of friendships that are good for us in every season of life? Now, that may seem like kind of an odd subject to talk to adults about. You may be sitting there thinking, well, we should stick to teaching that to elementary and middle school students. But the truth is, no matter how old you get, this is so true. In fact, Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, this is what he said. Whoever walks with the wise becomes, don't miss this word right here, we'll come back to it in a moment. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Which means this, your closest relationships impact the quality and the direction of your life. So this principle here is part of the reason that we are having this two-week conversation. But there's another reason this conversation about how we develop friendships that are good for us is so important. See, we live in a culture that tends to overemphasize what we do without emphasizing something Solomon said in chapter 13, verse 20, and that is who we are becoming. See, our culture focuses very little on helping us become a person of character, a wise person, which is why some of us have gone years, or maybe some of you are sitting there and now you're thinking about it, you've gone decades without paying much attention to your character or your wisdom level. See, we do that oftentimes until something happens that brings up all of our flaws or all of our failures, and our life just begins to implode. And in those moments... We wish we had some people who we had trusted enough to let into our life, to check in on what's going on in our heart, in our head. See, we all need people who help us become the student, the man, the woman with a strong foundation of character. Now, don't miss this. Friends that are good for us, they help us become a person of wisdom, a person of character. But that's not all they help us do. They also help us belong. Now, when we talk about belonging, we're talking about so much more than just feeling like that you're part of a group where everybody knows your name. See, being a part of a group where everybody knows your name, man, that's good. But that is just an acquaintance level of relationship. Belonging is more than just being part of a group or a team where that you know that people know your name or you have a place. It's so much deeper than that. Belonging means that you're part of a circle of friends who treat you and love you like a healthy family would. And not only they do that, but they help you learn how to do the same thing for other people. See, God, he wants you to have those kind of friendships, those kind of friendships that help you become a person of wisdom and a person of character, and God created you also to be part of a group of people who help you learn how to belong. So today, what we want to do is we want to begin our two-week conversation by looking at what Jesus says is the foundation for any friendship that is good for you. Now here's what's interesting. 
The disciple Matthew, who knew firsthand how friendships that are good for you can change the course of your life for the better, here's what he tells us that Jesus said about this in Matthew chapter 22, beginning in verse 37. In fact, Matthew, before we go to the verse, Matthew tells us that one day there is this religious leader who is trying to figure out how to really be part of Jesus' circle. In other words, he's trying to figure out how to belong. And he, he approaches Jesus and he asks him, he says, what do I need to do to belong in your circle? Now, you may have expected to Jesus to pick maybe one of the Ten Commandments or those that are kind of like the most famous rules. But Jesus doesn't do any of those. Instead, here's what he answers this man in Matthew 22, verse 37. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then he goes on. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. Now what Jesus just tells this young ruler is so incredible. He tells this religious leader that he can take all the commands that God has ever given, all the teachings the prophets have ever taught, and he can summarize them into those two statements. Literally, you can take all of that and hang them on two hooks, really. Only two things really matter. And if you do these two things, you'll begin to understand what it means to experience friendships that are good for you. So Jesus says, you love God and you love people. That's what it means to follow God and that's what it means to develop or that's what it takes to develop friendships that are good for you. You love God and you love people like Jesus loved people, which means this. Life is about learning to love like Jesus. It's what God put you on this earth to do, which is why Every command, every, every principle, every instruction that God gives us is designed to help us do this one thing. Love God and love people like Jesus. Now, I want you to think about this for a second. Is there anything else that you can do in life to make that kind of significant impact or a more la lasting impact than loving God and loving people like Jesus? Because if you really stop and think about it, there's no achievement, there's no accomplishment that is going to last forever, there, there's no position, there's no power that's going to last forever, there's, there's no amount of money that you can earn that will impact people through eternity. None of those things make an eternal impact. But when you love God and you love people, it has an impact throughout eternity eternity. So loving like Jesus, it is always what matters the most. Now here's what's interesting about this. The Apostle Paul, who became a follower of Jesus Christ, is pretty famous for some of the things that he wrote about loving God and loving people, which is kind of ironic because if you know much about the Apostle Paul, his background and his personality, he was like the most unlikely guy to beat the love drum. I mean, if you really stop and think about it, the Apostle Paul, he was a type A, eight on the Enneagram. He is this hard-charging, highly driven, goal-oriented type of guy. And that was before he began to follow Jesus. Think about it. 
He's moving up the career ladder with lightning speed because of his personality. And and he doesn't just step on people to do it. He literally killed people to do that. But once his life turned around because of the love of Jesus Christ, this hard-charging personality of his, don't miss this, it didn't disappear. No, what happened is God used it to take the message of Jesus' love to the entire Gentile world and to write almost a third of the New Testament content. So the Apostle Paul, he didn't change in personality. He's not this low-key, let's just get in touch with our feelings kind of guy, but he did believe deeply that life is about learning to love like Jesus which is why he often wrote about what that looks like in a very practical kind of way. And so today, we want to show you one of the things that the Apostle Paul wrote. And what he writes and what we're going to look at today, it really is a handbook for how to make your life about love and to develop friendships that are good for you. So let's take a look at it beginning in Romans chapter 12, verse 9. Here's what he writes. Love must be sincere. I want us just to pause there for a moment because here's what the Apostle Paul is saying. He's saying, we need to love people for who they are, not just what they can do for us. See, sincere love is the kind of love that puts the interest and the needs of others before our own. Literally, sincere love is the kind of love that God has shown us. In fact, Jesus said, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Literally, he gave when we had nothing to give in return. He loves us for who we are, not what we can do for him. And so the apostle Paul is coming along here and he's saying, listen, that's the kind of love that you need to have for others. This sincere, sacrificial, supernatural, selfless love, that's what you have to learn to show to one another. In fact, the Apostle Paul, he then, he begins to unpack for us what sincere love looks like. Look at what he says next. He says, love must be sincere. And then he says, here's what it looks like. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Now, here's what he's really saying is you need some friends in your life who will do this for you and you will do this for them. Friends who will help you become a person of wisdom. Friends who will help you become a person of character. Literally, friends that will come along and say, you know what, we hate what is evil and we're going to cling to what is good. In other words, friends who see danger coming our way or they spot some character flaws that will cripple you and and then they begin to realize that you're about to drift from what is good and what is right. And those friends, they're always going to speak up and they're always going to challenge you. They help you become wise. They help you become a person of character. That's what it means to have people in your life that love you sincerely and they hate what is evil and they help you cling to what is good. See, they call you out when you start becoming anything less than a person of character, a person of wisdom. And here's the thing. While you can't have this with every person in your life, you need some people in your life that will call you out 
because they hate evil and they want to help you cling to what is good. You need some people that you're going to trust enough to let them to speak the truth and love to you and you do the same for them. Then he goes on to unpack this more in verse 10. He says, be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. And this literally means that you need to be the kind of friends that others can count on. That's the whole idea of being devoted. And you need some friends who do this for you. So you don't have to wonder if they're going to show up for you when you get a promotion or when you pass that test or when you get engaged or when you buy that house or you have some kind of success. See, you need some friends who you have no doubt they are going to be there to celebrate you. They're going to set aside what's going on in their world to celebrate what is happening in your world. That's what it looks like to belong. Because, see, God did not intend for anyone to ever celebrate alone. But here's the thing. The opposite is also true, too. God never intended for anybody to suffer or to struggle on their own. See, God never intended when the breakup happened, when the job is lost, when the deal falls through, when the family is in turmoil, when there's extended stay in the hospital or there's this health scare, you, know, you need some friends who will show up and stay with you through the pain. That they'll drop what's happening in their world and they'll come and support you in your world and you'll do the same for them. See, that's what it looks like to be devoted to one another in love and to honor one another above yourselves. That's what love does. Then the Apostle Paul, he continues this in verse 11. He says, and this is so important. He says, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord, being joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. And this is the Apostle Paul's way of saying, listen, part of loving one another is helping each other grow spiritually, making spiritual growth in relationships a priority. It's coming alongside a friend when they're starting to drift, and it's encouraging them and helping them refocus, get their zeal back for Jesus. It's catching them before their passion begins to fade and reminding them, hey, here's why your faith matters. It's encouraging them not just to live for themselves, but to live their life not just with spiritual fervor, but then to use that spiritual fervor serving other people. And it's also about helping them find their joy whenever life is tough and it's being patient with them whenever things are going really are difficult for them. And it's just to help them keep praying, being faithful in prayer when they don't feel like prayer is making a difference. He's saying, listen, part of loving one another like Jesus is helping people continue to be passionate about their spiritual growth and their spiritual life and development. And then he continues in verse 13. He, share, he says, share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Literally, whenever there's a need that you can meet, he says, you need to meet it. When you have an opportunity to treat someone as more valuable in, in the relationship, he says, you do that. That's what it looks like to be part of a group of people outside of your family who you have chosen to belong 
to one another and do life together and help one another love the way God that God created us to love. Because here's the truth. Life is about learning to love like Jesus. Don't miss that. Life is about learning to love like Jesus. Now, here's the thing. We could keep giving all kinds of examples of what it looks like to love like Jesus. Because in Scripture, there are over 50 different one another commands that God gives us. Like we're to serve one another, we're to encourage one another, we're to help one another, we're to forgive one another, we're to accept one another. But here's the point. We can't do any of the one another's in isolation. And as many of you have discovered, it's really hard to do the one another's when you are social distancing. See, loving like Jesus, it takes three things. You might even want to jot them down. It takes proximity, it takes people, and it takes practice. You have to immerse yourself in a few other people's lives to the point where you don't walk away when loving gets hard or loving gets difficult. See, we all need to be that for other people, but we also need friends who have committed to loving even when they are, that we have committed to loving when they're imperfect or when they're irritating or when they're frustrating, just like we can be ourselves. We need to be that for other people. So here's the question that we have for you today, and that is this. Do you have a circle of people that you've committed to loving like that? And maybe some of you are sitting there and you're listening and you're thinking, well, I went through this or I had this happen in my life and no, nobody in this church did that for me or nobody showed up for me and, and I'm really sorry for that. In fact, it's part of why we're having this conversation. But here's what I would ask you. Who, who have you done this for? Like, who have you loved like this or who have you served like this or who have you accepted like this? See, if you don't have a circle of friends who love you like this, maybe it's because you haven't begun the process of loving others this way. See, we all want people who are committed to us, but the first step, don't miss this, the first step is to be this committed to somebody else, to love a circle of friends so profoundly that we treat them like family, like a healthy family, and we show them the same love that Jesus has shown to us. So if you're sitting there today and you're thinking, man, this is a lot, this is a lot for me to to take in and figure out how to do, not really sure to where we begin, well, let me just summarize what we read from the Apostle Paul and break this down into four steps. Four things that you can do to start building the foundation for friendships that are good for you. The first one is this. It's consistency. This is the first foundational step. Friends that are good for you, they are not built sporadically or accidentally. You have to take this effort. You just got to make this extraordinary extraordinary effort to consistently invest in the lives of a small group of people week in, week out, day in, day out. You just can't walk in when it's easy and then walk out when it's hard. You you just can't make your own goals and your dreams and plans a higher priority than the group or the people that God has called you to love. You have to be consistent with 
a few. This is so important. The second thing is it takes confidentiality. See, people need to know that they can trust you 100%. That's what is said to you stays with you. And you need to know the same about them is true as well. See, people need to know that you say something to them or if they say something to you, that you will take that to your grave if necessary. See, here's the thing. If there's not unshakable trust, then you will never reach this incredible level that God has designed you to reach when it comes to your friendships and have friendships that are good for you. And you got to understand something. Trust is built over time, which is why consistency is so important. It's so important that you're consistent to do what you say you're going to do. And then the other thing, confidentiality is so important. And that is this, if you have a problem with loose lips, you're you're a gossip, then you've got to address that if you're really ever going to have friends that are good for you. And then the third thing it takes is authenticity. And that is this, you have to be willing to demonstrate authenticity, which means you have to have a level of vulnerability and then some sincerity with those people in your circle. That means you don't sit in your circle and when there's discussion going on, you don't sit there and hide out. No, you let the people in your life see you for you, the good, the bad, and even the ugly. Because here's the thing, if you won't open up, You'll never fully belong. And I'm just going to tell you, this is one of the most significant barriers that people encounter when it comes to really experiencing and having friends that is good for them. It keeps you from having those relationships that God designed you to have. And then finally, it takes humility. See, humility doesn't mean that you think less of yourself. It just means you think of yourself less in the relationship. In other words, Your focus is always on others first and then yourself. So that what that means is this. When you have humility in relationships, it means you own your weaknesses, but you're patient with theirs. Or or you're open to their correction and you're willing to celebrate them before you are celebrated. See, listen, every friendship that is good for you is marked by these four things. And here's the thing. If you will do these four things, God will use your friendships to teach you how to love in a way and experience love in a way that you have never experienced before. And I'm just going to tell you, as a church, we are so passionate about you being able to develop friendships that are good for you. And we have really tried hard to make it easier for you to experience that through an environment that we call groups. See, groups are where you develop the kind of friendships that help you to practice love, to learn how to love like Jesus. In fact, here's the best way we know how to describe it. Your group is a lab. So your group is not going to be this perfect group of people that love each other perfectly from the beginning. No, your group is a lab for learning how to love like Jesus. So if you get in a group and we want you all to be in a group, it's a process of you growing and the people in your group growing. It's an environment that God uses to help you become a person of character, a person of wisdom, and also become a person who belongs. See, here's what I know. 
It is so easy for us to sit around and talk about loving people, but whenever you get in a group, you have to actually practice loving specific people for an extended period of time. Now, you got to understand something. Groups aren't designed to help you have friendships. No, no, no. Groups are designed to help you have a certain kind of friendship. And it's the kind of friendship that are good for you because they help you become a person of character and wisdom and because they help you belong. So here's what we want to challenge you to do. If you're not in a group, what we want to challenge you to do is either stop by the gallery and talk to us on your way out so that we can talk to you a little bit about groups and maybe help you find a group. Or maybe you can just go online and you can sign up because in your worship guides, if you're um, with us today, you um, received a list of groups or you can go online and you can find a list of groups and uh, you can sign up online. We'd love to have you part of our groups this semester. And I just want to say something to you guys. I know that many of you, you don't want to do this, but you need to do this. Husbands, you need to do this because you love your wives and your marriage will be so much better if you'll develop some friendships that are good for you and you'll have some guys telling you, hey, here's what it's like to be on the other side of you. I'm telling you, it'll make your marriage so much better. And let me just say something to you single guys. Do this for the sake of your future wife. She should not have to deal with all of your issues, all those rough edges once you get married. See, you can start fixing all this before you meet her, before you married her. You need a group, group of friends, guys in your life that are good for you, that will sit on the other side of you and say, hey, here's what it's like to be on the other side of you. I can't tell you guys how important that is because we don't understand what it's like oftentimes to be on the other side of ourselves. And so let's just make our relationships with our wives so much better by going ahead and letting some other guys speak in to what it's like. Now, for those of you that are already in a group, here's my question for you. Does what the Apostle Paul described, does it describe your group? Is this how you relate to one another? Are you honest with one another? Are, are, you, are you just fervently trying to keep one another from drifting spiritually? Is there a spiritual zeal in your group? Do, do you celebrate with one another? Do you share in each other's pain? Do you help support each other when they're going through difficulty or experiencing pain? Are you devoted to one another? And do you serve one another above yourselves? And I just want to say something. If this isn't how you celebrate or relate with each other or treat each other in your group, here's my challenge to you. You need to talk about that in your group this week. Put it out on the table. Say what everybody knows is true but is afraid to say and figure out how to become friends that are good for each other. Because friendships that are good for each other, they help you become a person of wisdom and character, and they help you belong. And I'm telling you, God wants all of us to experience what that is like. Because I'm telling you, it'll grow you spiritually, it'll grow you relationally, and God said, listen, this is the most important thing. You love God and you love other people like Jesus loved. And when you do that, it changes everything about your world. So I'm going to pray for us. 
And then next week, I want you to come back, and we're going to continue this conversation to help you understand how to take this to a whole other level so you can truly experience what God has designed you to experience, not only with him, but with others. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this incredible opportunity for us to practice loving and learn how to love like Jesus loved us. And I just pray that as, as we move into this fall season, God, so many of us, we, we've almost lost it spiritually. We've almost lost it relationally and emotionally because we've been so isolated. I pray that you'll help us all to take the opportunity to say, God, I, I'm going to step out and I'm going to learn to love like you loved so that I can experience love like you loved. God, I thank you that we as a church body have the opportunity to then show the world what it means to love like you did because you said if we do that, and here's why this is so important, you said that's how people will know that we're followers of Jesus if we love one another as you've loved us. So God, help us to do that for the benefit of those in our church and those in our communities. That's our prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, everyone, thank you so much for being with us. We'll see you back next week for part two of All In.